wondered what it would be like to travel around like a little turtle with your home on your back? To not have to worry about towing or length or fitting into tight spaces or backing up a two-piece unit? Well, in this week's show, I wrap up a series I started in 2018 on the pros and cons of each type of RV manufactured out there. Today, I'm looking at that truck camper, and I'm also going to be talking about my experience with the Lance 650. Stay tuned. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit, and I'm a girl camper. I go places and do things with other adventurous and curious women. We camp like girls in tents, vans, travel trailers, motorhomes, and even cars. We travel solo and in groups to girl camping gatherings, large and small, to bucket list destinations with friends, or on our own to wherever the wind blows us. On this show, we'll talk about the qualities of a girl camper and how you can be a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party and you're invited. Stay tuned while we share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. The Girl Camper Podcast is brought to you by our consortium of girl camper friendly RV dealerships. General RV with 13 locations in the U.S., Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Bankston Motorhomes with three locations in Alabama and two in Tennessee. Also providing support and sponsorship for Girl Camper is Campco Manufacturing, makers of over 4,000 products for your RV, boat, and tailgating needs. And GoRVing.com, home base for everything you need to get started RVing. And of course, our friends at Liberty Outdoors, makers of the Max and Mini RVs. Welcome, I'm Janine Pettit, girl camping ambassador, blogger, adventurist, and podcaster, and this is episode 203 of Girl Camper Podcast. Way back in 2018, I dedicated myself to a series on the pros and cons of each RV manufactured out there, but I left one off, and that was the classic truck camper. My only experience with truck campers was not even a truck camper, but what might reasonably be called truck camping. My grandpa had a cap on the back of his truck with two cots in the back and a cooler in between them serving as a nightstand. We thought this was so cool when we were kids. Once I got involved in the girl camping movement, I started meeting women with truck campers and the whole idea just fascinated me. I'm such a nester that I love the idea of your home being with you all the time. You're carrying it around like a little turtle and you can access your stuff whenever you want. I just returned from a sponsored trip with Lance Campers and where I got to test it out for myself. And today we're going to wrap up this series by doing the pros and cons of truck campers. So stay tuned. Before we head into our list of pros and cons, we have messages from our friends at Camco and Go RV. Spring is right around the corner and Camco is ready for the RV rollout. What's on your spring RV maintenance to-do list? I know that I'm going to be hitting my max exterior with a good spit and shine before I head out to Tybee Island in late March. When that RV sits over the winter, the seals on the windows and doors begin to leach little black streaks. I always think it's your camper's tears. It's crying because it's not being used. Not to worry though, because camper tears are easily removed with black streak remover from Campco. You just spray this stuff on and buff it off with a soft rag. The streaks are almost instantly removed and it doesn't have any damage to the exterior finish. It's easy, easy peasy and super inexpensive. You can find it at most RV dealers that have a store and it's available everywhere online. So thank you Campco, making things that make our lives outdoors even more fun. Go RVing has a great website full of all kinds of tools to help you narrow down the choices in RVs out there. You can check out their Find My RV Tool page. This is a rabbit hole I absolutely love falling into. It helps you narrow down what kind of camping you want to do and what level of amenities you're going to want when you're out there doing it. 
On that page are all of the RV types, and you can check out fifth wheels, travel trailers, motorhomes without ever leaving your house. Then when you get an idea of what you might want and you want to go out and start tire kicking, use their Find an RV Show page and find out what's going on near you. Go RVing. They're helping us find our way. So I'm happy to get started on this because I have so much to tell. First, a shout out to Lance who sponsored me on this outing. There's other truck manufacturers out there, but I love meeting up with a company that's engaged and engaging the public with their products. Lance is pretty far advanced in the whole social media thing compared to a lot of manufacturers. They first asked me about two years ago to come out and test something of theirs, and I just got it in my books and I set the time aside to do it. I really can't think of a better place to test a truck camper than during the winter in Arizona. I think this is going to be part of my RV life forever now. I'm just going to do a fly and drive every winter because this is the place to be. Tens of thousands of RVers head out that way to winter over. I'm going to do a special podcast episode on the whole boondocking and dispersed camping, BLM camping thing going on out there. It was a real eye-opener for me, and I can't wait to tell you all that I learned. I know lots of people do it, but I know a lot of people don't know very much about it, myself included, so it's going to be fun to share that. Today, though, I want to stick to the truck camper and the pros and cons of truck camping. So let's start with what myself and many other people consider to be the pros of truck camping. So number one for me was the mobility. It's just so easy to get up and go, especially with something like the 650. Parking, getting gas, backing in, all so much easier to do with a travel trailer. With the 650 in particular, the the unit, the 650 unit that fits on the back of the short bed truck is the same size as the truck. So there's nothing hanging out over the sides or the back, so I could just pull it and park without worrying that I was scraping anything. It did have a backup camera, so that made it very easy too, and I just absolutely loved the mobility factor here. Number two, versatility. So the truck camper to me, it's basically like a motorhome, but you have the ability to take it off and make it into a travel trailer. So you can remove the unit from the back of the truck. I was parked next to another Lance owner when I was out in Quartzsite. And if these people who have owned nothing but Lance for the last like 15 years, truck campers, if they're going to be anywhere for more than two days, they just take the thing off. Between the two of them, a husband and wife, they can get the thing on and off in less than 10 minutes. So I watched them put that thing back on and I was shocked at how easy it was. So versatility, you can have the truck camper, you can take it off, still have your truck, put it back on. I really loved that. Number three, towability. So if you're an avid outdoorsman, you can tow something behind a truck camper. So if you want to go boating or carry quads for dirt biking or small motorcycles on the back, you have that option. So whatever your outdoor hobby or enthusiasm is, you can use this truck camper and still tow something behind you. Number four, simplicity. One of the things that really surprised me was how much I enjoyed having my house with me all the time. That in itself was super simple. When I came back from the Quartzsite RV show, I was completely exhausted from walking around that dust bowl for like five hours. I got to the truck with my little camper on the back And now normally, if this was my truck and my travel trailers at a campground 20 miles away, I sit in there just completely exhausted. I loved climbing into the back of the thing and having everything there. I washed my face. I got a drink. I used the bathroom. I sat on the couch for a couple of minutes. I just kind of re-energized and reoriented myself before I started driving back to where my campsite was. So I loved that part of it. I also loved that... Everything I possess is with me all the time. I'm constantly leaving and thinking, what am I forgetting? What am I forgetting? I got to have my inhaler. I got to have my chapstick. I got to have extra water. I got to have Gatorade in case I need it. 
with the truck camper, you're never thinking about that. Everything is with you all the time, and I just super loved that. Okay, economics. So I didn't know this until I went out there in this, but most states don't consider a truck camper a separate vehicle like a travel trailer. They consider it cargo that goes on the back of your camper. And so most states don't require you to register it and have license plates for it. Also, I discovered that insuring a truck camper is much cheaper. So economically, it's a better value. Maintenance. It takes about five minutes to clean a truck camper. I really can sometimes dedicate quite a bit of time to cleaning up uh, my camper. When you have more space, it kind of gets messy quicker. So I love the whole maintenance of this. It's just a really tight little area and easy to clean up. So when you have to take some time and make um, a little maintenance day, it was very easy to take care of. It's boondocking friendly. So when I was out there BLM land um, camping, this is something I never did before. So you would pull into where this BLM plot of land was and you go in about a half a mile and you see that there's all the big class A's and then there's all the toy haulers. But when you're small and nimble, you can keep going. So I'm on this BLM land road and I'm three miles into it and the people are getting further and further apart and the units are getting smaller and smaller because you can get much more of a choice spot when you can get in and out of it easily. So really boondocking friendly, plus all the solar panels on every on this lance made boondocking really a great thing. I'll talk about that in a minute. Next thing on our list, they hold their value longer. I never knew this before, but if you purchase a travel trailer and five years later you go and look at what it's worth, a truck camper purchase at the same time can be up to 40% more, uh, hold its value up to 40% more than a travel trailer would. I'm not sure if this has to do with supply and demand because there's not as many truck camper manufacturers as there are travel trailers and not as many truck campers available out there. So the market is smaller when you're looking for a used one, but they do tend to hold the value longer. So that's a good thing. Last thing on my list of the pros is that no towing is necessary. So when I pull girl campers and I ask them about their fears, towing is the number one reply. So here, you just jump in it and you drive, and we all already know how to drive. You don't have to learn how to drive. You may have to learn how to become comfortable in something larger than what you're used to, but the t uh, learning curve on that is much smaller than it would be on towing something. So the fact that you don't have to tow is a, a big fear for most people. Learning how to tow is a fear for some people. So the fact that you can use this, just jump in it and go without having to tow is a big thing. But the other thing is you can store this thing in your driveway and you're not gonna have to pay a storage fee on it like you would a travel trailer or worry about it like you would a travel trailer when it's unhitched and you know, you know we have a lot of concerns about people stealing those things. It's not that people can't steal a truck camper, they can, but it's a lot harder to do it. So no towing and the fact that you can um, park this thing in your driveway without having to have an HOA after you. Okay, I want to talk about the cons now. The number one thing people always talk about is that storage is limited. I have to tell you, I did not think it was a small storage problem in the Lance 650. Um, I took everything with me that I needed for a two-week trip, and even though I was flying in and driving there, I, I had warm clothes, I had cold, cool clothes, um, blankets. Uh, there was a lot of storage in that thing. The storage to me was the exterior storage. So I think with smart packing, you could park, pack the inside of it you know, with everything you need for a camping trip but it was the exterior storage. So there was a big cabinet outside and it held the hose, the drinking hose. It could have held more stuff, but things like your chairs, your grill, your if you were carrying around a portable fire pit, where do all these things go? They have to go in the back of a crew cab truck. Well, you can do that if you're a solo traveler or a couple, but if you were using this as a family, that might not be as doable because people are actually sitting in those seats. So you're not going to be able to carry around that kind of stuff, you know, um, so that is a problem. Um, number two is the tight living quarters. 
So even if you're a solo traveler, a truck camper can feel very tight. Not when you're in it for a week or two, but if you were going to be in it long term, you would really have to get used to living in that small amount of space. Um, I feel like the Lance really maximizes the space, and I'm sure other truck camper manufacturers do, but the amount of floor space that you have to walk around in there is very, very limited. It's tight living quarters. So like I always talk about with the Class Bs, when you have a unit like this, it's really for people who are not inside. It's a place to sleep and have a, a lunch when it's warm and dry or dinner in a place where it's warm. Um, but it's not where you hang out. It's not big living quarters. Um, they are expensive compared to a travel trailer. So when you look at the price of a truck camper, for the same amount of money you're going to pay for a truck camper, you can get a lot of travel trailer. I mean, just dollar to dollar if you look at what you can get for both. I never look at it this way. I look at it about um, more like what is your style? How do you want to travel? So I think you'd have to take the um, point of view here that it's not how much space and storage I can get for X amount of dollars, but how do I want to live on the road? So it's a quality thing like that. Okay, number four. The truck that you carry this on is going to need to be substantial. In order to carry a truck camper, you're going to need something big enough to hold its weight. It may need beefed up leaf springs, a bigger axle ratio, airbags. All of that help reduce that size that is necessary, but it's not something you're going to want to go under on. You're going to need to make sure that the engine in that truck is going to do what it needs to do when you need to do it. So it's not something you want to go small on. You want to have a truck big enough to carry it around. The last thing on my list here is breaking camp. So because your trailer is also your ride, each time you want to go somewhere, you have to break camp. Now this isn't such a bad thing when you're boondocking like I was. For me, all I did was roll up my stabilizing jacks and make sure I leave two chairs behind so nobody takes my parking space while I'm gone. But if you are camping at a campground, you're going to need to disconnect the sewer hoses, the water, the electric, roll all of those up, put them away each time you go somewhere, and then when you get home, undo all of that. So this might be something you're willing to do. You could also, if you're going to be someplace for a long enough time, just take it off the back of the truck and leave it there. So breaking camp every time you want to go somewhere. I always say this, and I'll say it again. Every RV purchase is a compromise of some kind. Some of these pros are cons for some people, and some of the cons are pros for other people. So you have to think about what your travel goals are and your style of camping is. And I always hope that these shows help you learn something that you may not have realized, and they aid you in what you're making your final decision about what kind of unit you want to get when you get out there. Another pro tip I always want to offer here is to remind people, if you find something that you're really leaning toward and you think, this speaks to me, I think I could really, you know, uh, be happy in this, it makes the most sense for my economic situation and all my other variables, just rent the thing. Go on Outdoorsy or one of the places that you can rent an RV and rent something as close to what you're thinking you could get, if not the actual thing, and see how you like it. When you get out there and experience it, you can have that data without having to make the purchase. And so many people have written to me to say, oh, I did that thing because you told me to. And I absolutely was in love with it on paper. But when I rented it, there were so many things about it that didn't work for me. So thanks for that tip because I'm leaning in another direction now. Other people have said, Everything I thought was true was true, and I went out and purchased it. But it's certainly worth the money to make that investment in that experience before you actually buy it and drive it off the lot. So now I want to talk about my experience with truck camping. Lance loaned me a 650 truck camper. It's the smallest one they make, and it was sitting on an F-150 diesel truck. The 650 weighs about 1,700 pounds, but I don't want people to think that this means you can just plop it on any half-ton truck. For those new to all of this, I just want to explain um, the half-ton, three-quarter-ton, and full-ton designations here for a minute. 
initially, way back when, these categories referred to what the payload could handle. Payload being what the bed of that truck could hold in weight. So one ton is 2,000 pounds, so a half-ton truck was capable of carrying 1,000 pounds of cargo in the bed of the truck. A three-quarter ton truck could carry a ton and a half, and a one-ton truck could carry the full 2,000 pounds. This really meant that the axle, suspension, and frame could carry that. These were designations that were created decades ago, and as technology improved the constructions of vehicles, they never really changed the name of these, although the ability to carry more weight changed drastically. So these days, a half-ton truck can really carry about 1,500 pounds. A three-quarter ton can carry 3,000 pounds, and a one-ton truck can usually carry about 4,000 pounds. Now, you're going to have to check your specific truck's gross vehicle weight rating or the published payload to know this for sure. The half-ton Ford that I was using was a diesel, and it had beefed-up leaf springs, uh, more um, axle ratio, and it had airbags in it that cushion and balance the um, truck camper when it's sitting in it. That All of those things together made it able to handle a heavier load. So not any half-ton truck can carry a 650. You've got to find these things out. I'm going to put a link in the show notes from a company that has a VIN decoder. It's a website. You drop your VIN number in here, and it tells you all about your specific vehicle. I just, it's so much fun to do because if you go on to Ford F-150 EcoBoost 3.5 liter, so it seems pretty specific, right? But when you go in there, there's all kinds of variables. It may be a different axle in there. The suspension might be different. The cooling system might be different. The ability, um, the gross vehicle weight rating could be different. The weight that it can carry can vary wildly in that same truck. So having this VIN decoder will tell you a lot about what you need to know about your specific tow vehicle. So I just wanted to go over that because I don't want to give people the impression that if you have a half-ton truck, you can just go out and buy a 650 or any kind of truck camper. You need to be aware of these things. So I picked up um, the 650 at the factory in Lancaster, California, and it was literally, literally just off the assembly line. I have to tell you this. I was a little concerned about that because if you've ever been at an RV show and you're walking in and out of the units, you start to get a little brain fog going because of all the chemicals in all of them when everything's brand new. And I'm a person who can be pretty chemically sensitive, so I was concerned that I would hit the road and I would be in a brand new camper that was off-gassing all of the construction materials and making me sick. I walked in the thing and I didn't smell a thing. And I said to the Lance people, gosh, I don't smell anything in here. And I was really worried about that. And then they told me that they have just become certified as a certified green um, dealer manufacturer. They have a certification from TRA, which makes them very green certified, makes them a certified green builder. This was all fascinating to me, and it all started with the whole debacle down in um, New Orleans when the RV industry pumped out a bunch of really quick, um, inexpensive motorhomes or inexpensive RVs, travel trailers, to take up the slack for the people displaced by Hurricane Katrina. They had a lot of formaldehyde in them, and it was terrible, but it caused the industry to really look at it, and things are built much more safely now and with way less chemicals. So Lance is on a list, very short list, of companies that have the highest standard for green. So that was really great. Um, I took off in the thing. Um, the first night I was in it, I stayed at the Banning Stagecoach KOA outside of Palm Springs, I wanted to spend my first night in an actual campground because I just wanted to get the feel for it. I also wanted to be hooked up and make sure I knew how everything worked. I wanted the batteries all topped off. I really didn't know what my experiences was going to be when I got out there in the middle of BLM land. So I plugged the thing in in the morning, um, following morning before I left. I emptied all the tanks. I topped off the uh, propane tank, which is only three gallons in um the 650, and I made sure that my water was 
completely full because I knew when I got to Quartzsite that, you know, it's not a campground. Uh, where was I going to fill up the water? I wasn't quite sure where people who are boondocking get their water filled up. I learned stuff about that. We'll talk about it in next week's show. So it was great really being out there that first night, having heat, figuring out how everything worked, and um, just getting in the mindset like, okay, I'm on a grand adventure and I'm taking off tomorrow. And I, I felt very prepared to do that. So I took off the following morning, and I want to tell you what my experiences with the, with the truck camper were myself. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the driving of it. Um, for me, a lot of people had talked to me about the wind. Uh, was the, the wind was a problem with truck campers. There was wind, but not so much as to cause anxiety. For me, driving this in wind was in a check plus column way better than driving a travel trailer in wind. Um, wind is really a thing when towing. We hit a lot of wind. You're out in the desert, big, open, wide fields. And it, to me, it, it just, it was a non-issue. I, I don't know. I thought it was pretty windy. Um, I could really hear it hitting the truck, but I didn't feel like I was losing control of the truck or in any way the truck would blow off the road or anything. So I just didn't think the wind was a big thing. What I really loved about driving it was just the ability to just get in it and go. I would decide, okay, I'm moving from the first spot I camped down to Quartzsite. Not having to hook up and unhook and attach weight distribution hitches and anti-sway bars and all the checklists that I go through when I'm doing my travel trailer. I mean, just ease of going was so much bigger. My big concern was that I might pull out and forget to put the stab, uh, stabilizing jacks back up. I just thought, oh my God, what if I get in the truck and I pull away and they're still down and I scrape them and they break and it causes a big problem. So I did what I always do with my stabilizing crank, the jack crank on my um, travel trailer. I always put that on the seat of the truck when I just drive. Sometimes I stay attached at night and I'll drop the stabilizing bars just so I don't a swim around in the thing all night long. So I just put the controllers right there on the steering wheel where I absolutely would not be able to pull out without seeing that. So driving it was such a simple thing. It just getting where you're going, being able to park it, not having to worry at gas stations. Really, literally, the only thing I couldn't do in it was go through a drive through at a fast food restaurant. <laughs> so other than that, it was just like driving my truck at home. And it was... There was a real freedom to it. Like, it took me a couple of days till I felt like, wow, I don't have to worry about that, you know, and just getting places and parking and everything was so much easier. Let's go inside the um, unit and talk about that for a minute. And I want to start with the overhead bed that sits on top of the cab of the truck. This is a full-sized queen bed. It's not a short RV queen. I brought my own sheets from home and they fit perfectly. There's two steps that you have to climb up into into the bed and then a short crawl to the head of the bed. Now, once you're up there on the right-hand side, there's a really decent-sized closet, a large deep shelf with a plug built in, a little set of opened shelving. They were very narrow but very deep. They actually held a lot of stuff. And at the end of that row of cabinetry and storage was the refrigerator for the kitchen. I actually really loved having the refrigerator here because one of my pet peeves in small campers is when they put the refrigerator under the sink. I never like having to get down on your hands and knees to find things in the back of the refrigerator. I would always prefer to climb up and it was very easy to use the fridge and get stuff in and out of it. Um, when you read about truck campers, they always say that there's limited storage, but for me, I thought the storage available up in the bed area was huge. Of course, if it were my own, I would have done all kinds of things to modify it. The closet is really big and it's deep, so the bottom could hold lots of shoes. But I would have split that closet in half. I probably would take the door off it um, and use half of it for shelves. You don't usually carry a lot of things that require a coat hanger. The spot where that was a big open shelf for your laptop and charging things, 
that could have had another shelf in it. It was very deep, so you could have put packing cubes behind it. This was really, really a lot of storage, so I really liked that part. The actual bed and sleeping part was something that concerned me. Before I got out there, I was thinking, I hope I'm not claustrophobic up there, but I wasn't at all. When you're laying in the bed, there's a lot of space above you, and it felt like a lot of space around me. There's also a really large window there, so that was nice too. Um, there's a fan above it, so I had that open for several nights. There was a few nights when it didn't get very cold, like mm, high 40s, low 50s, and I was able to keep that open at night, which I loved having the fresh air. The one thing I did not like about the bed area was that you can't sit up in bed and read. Uh, I'm a big reader at night. I'm usually reading or streaming or watching a movie or something, so... I usually sit up in bed like an hour or more before I go to sleep. But, you know, everything is a trade-off. So what I ended up doing is taking one of my extra pillows and putting it in between the refrigerator and the closet where this little set of shelves was. It actually fit in there perfectly. That's directly across from the window. So I would stretch out crosswise around the bed and actually ended up rolling down that window and being able to look outside, see the sunset come up. So that's where I had my coffee in the morning too. I ended my night there and then I began my morning there by just having my coffee there and watching the sunrise come up through that window so you adapt so there's trade-offs and everything so my only negative about the bed area is that can't sit up and read I want to say this though you can sit up and read in the 650 but Lance makes all kinds of other truck campers that are much higher and you can sit up in those it's just this particular model not all truck campers okay I want to step down into the cabin for a minute and talk about the kitchen the kitchen was compact, but it was really efficient. It has a two-burner stovetop. I would have liked it if it was one of those stoves that has the glass corning top that covers the burners, but that's not a difficult uh, modification to make. You can make a cutting board that goes on top of that with little raised feet on it and use that for prep space. Um, there's a little bit of counter area in between what is a pretty um, large sink, but not a deep sink. So that little kitchen counter area though, small as it was, it was plenty of space for me to put my dishes after I washed them and set the coffee pot up for the morning. So limited counter space, but it really wasn't an issue because the table in the booth is really quite large and it's literally right behind you. So you can just pivot, turn around, chop, dice, clean, whatever you're prepping and then have that as kind of like a countertop extension. I appreciated that Lance put the beehive faucet on the sink. It really allows you to get things under it and be able to rinse things off. You need that beehive. I don't know why all manufacturers don't install these as a matter of practice. It just should be done. There's one large cabinet over the sink with a shelf in it. I was able to store my dry food items in there, my saucepan and a lid. Um, I, I also brought with me my own dishes and cups and I had some extra dish towels up there. If this was my full-time ride, I probably would have broken that up into like four little quads up there and bought baskets that fit in there. Otherwise, everything's just shifting all over. The other thing about this cabinet is as much as I appreciated that second shelf, the interior of the Lance is six feet and nine inches tall. So at five foot four, I could not see what was in the back of that shelf. So to me, that was a simple fix. You get uh, four short baskets and then you have all your spices and cooking and olive oil and things in one. Then you could just pull out the basket and put it on the counter and get what you need. Another basket would hold dry goods. Another basket would hold your dishes. That's a system I have used in so many trailers, so I loved the amount of cabinet space in there. It was hard for me to get my stuff, but that's just because it's not my trailer and I didn't have it set up that way. So really, really nice um, space over the sink there. But the other thing that I really loved about that cabinet and really all the cabinets in the Lance is the hardware that is on those cabinets really stays closed. You have to pull that thing open. 
I never got in the camper once and found the cabinets had opened while I was driving, which is a constant problem in my camper. So really cool hardware and springs, very heavy duty in there. Um, the Lance Kitchen also had two little drawers under the sink, which were large enough for my silverware. It actually had a silverware um, little ho holder in there, so I brought my own silverware from home and I put it in there. Another one underneath for all my utensils and a couple other little small things. So really functional, little smart little kitchen. Let's talk about the dinette for a minute. So the dinette in the 650 is across from the kitchen wall. There's no slide out in the 650. So you're walking around in a space that is the back of a short bed truck. With that in mind, I thought the booth was pretty large, all things considered. You could comfortably sit four people in it. The cushions were really nice, like a navy blue leather fabric. Um, I liked how the table was able to swing left or right. So when you walk in it, you it's set up like a table um, in a booth. You slide and everybody has a piece of table in front of them. But you can pivot that table and swing it the other way. And then it still slides back and forth. So I was able to pivot it. When it's pivoted, you can still walk back and forth between the bathroom and the bed. So there's enough room to get by. But once it's pivoted, it slides as well. So I would pivot it, pull it toward me, able to put my laptop on it and work at it without having to lean forward. I was still comfortably sitting on the bench because it was able to slide forward. I absolutely had to drop that table down and see what it felt like as a bed. So I dropped it down and used it as a day bed for three or four days. I just wanted to get a feel for all aspects of the tray, um, of the unit there. And I have to say that I think this whole daybed thing with that dinette booth is a great option for a lot of solo travelers. I know that a lot of women who have a queen-size bed and a small teardrop or something will size that down to a, a twin bed like I did in the Mini Max. It was a queen. I pushed it back. I picked up all that floor space. When I was using this as a day bed, I was thinking of a couple of things. If I were a solo woman road tripper and I had that day bed right there on the floor, because honestly, you eat outside most of the time. And a lot of times when you're a solo traveler, you're just eating on your bed. I eat on my bed all the time when I'm traveling. So if you had this put down as a day bed um, and, you, and you used it to sleep in, you used it as a twin bed down there, that would give you so much storage space for any hobbies or clothes. If you were going on a long road trip, I think this would be a great option. I think using this as a day bed all the time is a great option too for people who travel with a pet. So if you had at least a medium-sized pet, that would be a great sleeping bed for the dog to be able to get up and down. You couldn't get a big dog. You could carry a little lap dog up top, but you couldn't get a big dog um, up on top of that queen size bed. <laughs> I don't know how you would do that. But anyway, I really actually found that day bed very comfortable. I took a couple naps on it. The, the cushions were really comfortable and I didn't have a memory foam or anything on it. I did buy a memory phone for the queen up top because I'm just used to that and I slept better with it. But super comfortable cushions down there. And I love that it had that option. Another thing about that booth is that there was more storage in that booth. So it had two corner cabinets that were nice and big and deep and they had really hard locking hardware on them. They never came open. In between those two corner shelves over that big large viewing window was another shelf that had that uh, elastic netting on it. Of course, I would have gotten rid of that netting in a heartbeat and put a little piece of lip wood on there so you could put storage cubes on there and then you could store things very prettily up there without having to look at what was in them. When I was telling this to my husband, he goes, well, that's the best part of the netting. You can see you don't have to pull down 10 different boxes before you find the one you want. I definitely think that the elastic netting is a he said, she said thing. Men love the elastic netting and women hate it. Either way, the important thing was that shelf was there and it was a lot more storage. To me, the best part of this whole booth, though, there was that fantastic, big, giant viewing window. When I'm on the road, I'm working. I'm working no matter where I am. So this trip was no exception. 
I loved having this window to look out of. I don't normally have as grand a view as the ones I had on this trip. The 650 has those European windows that I really love. I've talked about them on the show so many times. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to own an RV without these windows again. They they have the blackout, so when you're outside looking in in the day, you cannot see in them, but somehow it's not black that heats up the inside. I don't know how they do this technology, but hot sun is beating on it all day long, but it doesn't heat up the inside of your camper, but it does give you privacy, which for a solo woman traveler, being able to walk around inside knowing people during the day can't see in that camper. At night when the light is on, they can see inside, but this is the beauty of those hidden shades. The hidden privacy shade comes up from the bottom. The screen comes down from the top. You can open that window. Rain does not come in. You pull up the privacy screen like two-thirds of the way. You pull down the shade, or I mean the actual screen. So you have privacy. You have air coming in. You have protection from the weather. I love these windows so much. And I love that Lance put like the biggest window they could get into that booth. I posted a fantastic picture I took on Instagram where I was just sitting there one night with my laptop and watching the sunset on Lake Havasu and I'm like, oh my God, this is so gorgeous. But I made myself get up and take a picture so you could all appreciate it. And it's just one of my favorite RV pictures ever. The window is spectacular. When you are at RV shows and you walk into a camper and you see these windows in that camper, I want you to know something. They are the most expensive RV windows um, manufacturers can buy. So they're European, they're made in Europe, they have to be imported into here. There is not a US manufacturer of these windows. They're very expensive for manufacturers to buy. And so when you walk in a unit and you see them, you know that they have bought the best windows in the industry. So you know that you are looking at something that is a very high quality. I love mine so much. Okay, I want to talk about the bathroom for a minute. This Everybody was asking me about the bathroom. So many questions about the bathroom, and here's my take on it. It works, okay? <laughs> and when you're boondocking, literally out in the middle of nowhere, and you have a shower with a tankless hot water system and you have a potty and you can go in there and use the bathroom and shower and clean off. That in itself is totally amazing to me. On the back of a truck that they have put a kitchen, a dining area, a bathroom, a queen size bed. When you think that a bathroom that does all these things functions on the back of a small truck, it's really incredible. It is a really, really small bathroom. <laughs> and But you can use the potty. You can use the shower. It does have a sink in there. I never use the sink. I brush my teeth in the kitchen sink. There is a corner medicine cabinet in there that has a plastic mirror. Um, that is the one cabinet that kept coming open. Uh, if this were my trailer, I would probably have some kind of Velcro devices in there or things that would hold your toothpaste and toothbrush so they didn't come flying out each time. But really, I was thinking, because I use every trailer, like what would I do if this was mine? If this was mine, I would have one of those pop-up shower tents because outside on the Lance trailer is the outdoor shower. So it's got a tankless hot water system. You put up that pop-up tent. You get in there. You've got elbow room. You can use all the water you want because it's a 30-gallon freshwater tank. So really, if you use three gallons taking a shower, it's, it's flowing out onto the ground. Hopefully, you're using the biodegradable soap. You're not filling up your gray tanks. And you have endless hot water to take as long a shower as you want. So... All of the BLM land that I was out on, I would say I must I saw dozens and dozens of people with these pop-up shower things. So you don't have to use the shower in there. You could use it outside and it, it was just an incredible little economically designed bathroom that really worked. The last thing I want to tell you about is the solar. So solar is kind of my weak spot. I'm still trying to understand solar. I think I just don't use it enough to really get it. But this time I was out in the middle of nowhere for two weeks and I relied completely on the solar. 
there was only one day where I'm still not sure what I did wrong, but I woke up and and the battery was at zero. I left something on overnight, not sure what I did, but a couple of the um, neighboring boondocking men and women came over to try to help me figure it out. We did a few things. It never happened again. So in the morning when I would wake up, it would be at like 50%, which was plenty to get the hot water going, to keep the refrigerator running, to be able to turn on the heat and make my stove go on. As soon as the sun came up, the thing started rising. I was constantly checking it because I'm always trying to figure solar out. So even when the sun was as high as 9, 9.30 in the morning, you could see that 50%, 55, 60 By noon, the thing was back up to 100%. And by the time you went to bed at night, when it had been dark for a couple of hours, maybe it had dropped down to 78 or something like that. And when you woke up in the morning, it was usually at about 50%. I was out in the fields there for, I think altogether it was like 11 or 12 days. I had everything working the whole time I was out there. In the 12 days, I was actually camping. I only stayed in a campground two nights. Twice I camped in a parking lot, but I didn't have any hookups. But I was able to use the showers at Lake Havasu State Park, but I had no hookups there. So I spent two nights at a KOA, one on the way out and one on the way back. And other than that, I was completely reliant on that solar. It was only a 100-watt panel. But the thing about the Lance is they have lithium batteries in them. So this had some AGM battery that cost like $1,000. And let me tell you, it does the job because it came right back up very quickly. By almost before noon, every day that battery was back up at 100%. So I really enjoyed the whole solar thing and the boondocking thing. And I've learned more and more about the whole solar thing going on when I was out there in it. And it was just a great experience. Every time I do a product review, I like to give the manufacturer a few Girl Camper ideas to implement if they so desired. So here are a few small things I would have done to the 650 if I were the designer. First one. I wouldn't have curved the back of the sofa. One end of the sofa had a curved back, and when the cushion came out, there was little, like, six inches of storage. I stored garbage bags in there. If that was straight instead of curved, that little six inches behind the cushion could have held a lot of stuff. I kept putting boxes of tissues and stuff, and they kept sliding off. I would have made that straight instead of curved. It's pretty, but I would have gone for function over form in this case. Number two... I definitely would have ditched the netting over the shelf um, above the window on the dinette. Um, I would have had a nice wooden lip put on that so you could get storage cubes up there and hold things up there. Maybe one piece of stretch um, cargo, a single line of stretchy going across to make sure they didn't fall off. But I would have preferred the cubes over there. Men all love the netting, though. I get it. Number three. I would have made the entry door window clear. So when you walk into the lance in the rear door there, that window is clouded. It's a smoky window and it has a beautiful shade that's built into it. So I don't know why if it had the shade, it needed to be smoky. But when I had the bed folded down into the dinette folded down into a day bed and I was sitting there with my laptop, Oh, I would have loved to be able to look out that window or see who was coming. And so I would I would do that as a clear window, especially because it has a really fantastic shade on it. Um, number four, I think it needs um, lights on the reading lights on the booth. There's no the little lights that you can turn on on that booth. So I, I would have liked that. The whole sewer hose thing was um, nothing I, that I wanted to deal with there. The sewer hose is behind an arm on that rear awning. Um, the rear awning was fantastic. It's mechanical. The side awning was electric. Push a button and the thing goes out. The awnings were so nice on this trailer. I forgot to talk about them. Um, the rear awning was really great. It's, it takes a little practice to get to figure out how these things work. But when you want to get at the sewer hose, you have to move the left arm. And then there's a little door and the sewer hose comes out. The sewer hose was super short. Um, I had a hard time using it. Um, I think you could have gotten one of the Camco ones, like a Rhino, that, that collapses. It goes real tight. It folds in. 
and in a zippered bag just for that. It w- there would have been room in the exterior storage cabinet where the hose is for a really good like Rhino Flex hose. So I did not like the whole sewer hose thing on this model. And, and, and I understand like you got to find a place to put that. You don't want that in the back of you know your truck. So the sewer hose thing needed some attention in my mind. Um, the corner uh, cabinets on the booth, I would have put a shelf in those. Those were really nice cabinets. They were tall enough that they could have had a second shelf in them to be more usable. And the last thing is somehow Lance has got to figure out how to put a stronger latch on that bathroom mirror door. So that's a minor thing I know, but you know, if you have kids, you got all those Velcro things and every cabinet has something on it. It just needs something. And I know they're trying to figure out something that's pretty and not too obtrusive, but um, it is amazing to me that they, um, got that decent sized mirror in that bathroom. So anyway, that was my experience with the truck camper. I got to tell you that that was kind of a dream come true. I always wanted to have that experience. I totally get why people love this. My uh, sister and brother-in-law have one of these and they, they just will never go back. They'll never go back. They sold their travel trailer last year. They love the freedom that is attached to that. And when I was talking to her about it and she said, we just love the freedom. And I thought, you know what? That is the perfect word to describe the truck camper. You just get up and go in it, you know, and everything's there. You can never forget anything. Freedom is the word. Um, not having to attach, unattach, uh, weight distribution hitches, all that stuff. You just get in the thing and go. Um, even if you were a person who didn't have a fear of towing, a truck camper is something you might want to consider because of what I just talked about, all the freedom involved in it and the ability to just be so nimble and go where you want to go. So I love the whole experience. I thought it was a great unit. I want to thank Lance for sending me out there and giving me that experience. I had so much fun doing it. I also want to thank our friends at Campco and Go RVing for making Girl Camper possible. And of course, our friendly RV dealerships, Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia. General RV with 13 locations around the country and our friends at Bankston Motorhomes. Bankston's has five locations, three in Alabama, Huntsville, Albertsville, and Florence, Alabama, and Nashville and Ardmore, Tennessee. They're a number one best in business award winner that's been helping families make their RV travel dreams come true since the 70s. I love family-owned dealerships. Grandpa Bankston is just the best guy ever. He's there every day running that business with his grandsons, and they're such a such a great family. Whether you're looking for a motorhome, a fifth wheel, a travel trailer, Bankston has something for you. And right now, they're having their clearance sale because they ordered everything. They ordered everything. It's coming in, and they're getting rid of old stuff. So this is a great time to get online at BankstonMotorhomes.com. Visit one of their five locations, or just go head over to GirlCamper.com. Click on Bankston's. It's going to take you right to their inventory. That's a wrap for us this week. Happy trails, everybody. Have a great week.